Hello, my friends. It is Friday, Friday, July the 17th, uh, and this is the last cup of joe for the week. Um, it is about noon where I am, Central Standard Time, uh, in Keele, Wisconsin, so uh, you in moments are going to hear a, a fire whistle go off here, and you'll, you'll know it is noon uh, about, so... If you hear that in the midst of it, don't think the building in which I'm uh, giving this podcast is on fire. It's just the city of Kiel uh, greeting its people and saying it's noon. So uh, blessings to you. Hope you're well wherever you are. Uh, let's read a gospel today. It is uh, from Matthew, of course, as we continue to journey through Matthew, and I'm sure we will for quite some time. Uh, we'll start Matthew chapter 12 today. So for those who are following along or wish to, Matthew 12 verses 1 to 8. Let's listen to the Word of God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus was going through a field of grain on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, your disciples are doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry, how he went into the house of God and ate the bread of offering, which neither he nor his companions, but only the priests could lawfully eat? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests serving in the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. If you knew what this meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned those innocent men. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, this is a, a wonderful gospel, one in which uh, I'm sure you've heard many times. Let's, let's take a look at it. And, uh, and see what is it that, uh, that God is inviting us to. So let's talk first about uh, the Sabbath. Of course, we know uh, that there's, that's law. It is the uh, third commandment uh, of the ten uh, that we, you and I, should keep holy the Sabbath. Um, what that means uh, is, is actually a wonderful, and that's a whole other podcast, and I won't go down that road, um, but I think even now we've minimized it because I think, oh, you know, the Ten Commandments, we think thou shalt not kill, and so we don't do that. We, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness, and so we attempt not to lie. Thou, thou shalt not steal, and we don't do that. But, oh, my gosh, the Sabbath. We just kind of think, ah, you know, what does that mean in a world where we are busy constantly? Well, what happened is uh, they built up laws around the law, the law, of course, being the Ten Commandments, the, uh, the, the Decalogue, um, the heart of the, the, uh, the heart of the covenant for the Jewish people. So they built up laws, and, and around that law was on the Sabbath. Okay, what did it mean to keep holy the Sabbath while well, you couldn't work? What constituted working? And uh, picking the heads of grain would constitute working on the Sabbath. So that's why, as the disciples were going through the field and they were hungry, of course, they were following Jesus. 
and they began to pick the heads of grain and eat them. They were doing it to, to satisfy their hunger, but the Pharisees saw this as work. And so clearly it was um, undermining the law, undermining the commandment that we have to keep holy the Sabbath. And so they confront Jesus and say, why are your, your uh, people doing something that's unlawful? They weren't stealing from anyone. It wasn't, you know, a sin to eat on a Sunday. Why are they working? That's what the Pharisees are saying. Why, why are they violating our law? And Jesus said, let's, let's use some examples here. What about David and his men? When they uh, were hungry and went into the house of God and ate the bread of offering, which was not theirs to eat, but only the priests could lawfully eat that. What about that, when they broke that law? And, and what about the, the fact that on the Sabbath, the priests who are serving in the temple, who are working, violate their own law of not working on the Sabbath. But yet no one bothers them. And, and in each of these cases, he's, he's looking at something that says, hey, this is the outer activity. David and his, and his companions are going into the temple area and eating the bread of offering. They can't do that. Uh, the priests who are, are serving at the temple, uh, the, technically they can't do that. But, um, but they served something higher. The, the priests who are serving in the temple um, are, are serving the people of God on that Sabbath who are there to pray. Uh, and, and they are serving not only the community, they are serving God in the sense that they are that connecting point, that they are helping assist people to pray, pray to whom? To God, that, that through their work, through whatever it is that they're doing that day, they are that connecting point of those people gathered to the God of the universe. Now, could that connection have happened elsewhere at other places and locales and times? Of course. God is not limited to the temple on the Sabbath. But that was their sacred moment to keep holy the Sabbath. And one of those ways was to offer themselves at temple. And to be able to do that, to, to help effective prayer, was a thing of honor that connects. It connects. If it ended at the temple, that would be a tragedy, and we'll get there. David and his people, uh, of course, were... were uh, fighting, and they weren't just walking around, hanging out, and said, "Hey, what, what do we got to do? We got to go. Let's go eat over here in the, in the temple." They were fighting on behalf of the people, uh, uh, the Jewish, the Hebrew people at the time, uh, against a king who was um, uh, unjust. And so, because their cause, where they pointed to, was worthy, not necessarily that action in and of itself but because it assisted them in something larger that it was okay. Um, and that's what, what Jesus is inviting us to here. He says, he's like, he says this, he says, something greater than the temple is here. He says, let's not get caught up in the small stuff. Let's not get caught up. And, and, you know, the city of Kiel just made me a dang liar because it's 12.03 and our, our uh, alarm didn't go off. So bless you all out there. We've passed noon if you were worried about it. 
But, um, but Jesus' point here, I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. Is he saying, let's not get caught up on that small stuff, on the picking the heads of grain, the, the small law, when he says it's got to point us to something larger. He said, if you knew the meaning of, of that, uh, I, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you know, that Jesus is quoting here, the prophet Hosea, that he said, if you knew what Hosea was talking about, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even have a problem with this because, because there's something larger going on in that they're following Jesus who is Lord of the Sabbath. There's something greater here than the temple. Don't stop with, with the small Go deeper to what it's inviting us to, to what the Sabbath is inviting us to, to what the law is inviting us to, to, to what is good and big and large beneath the law. You know, brothers and sisters, um, that idea is certainly, uh, we can easily fall into it today, too. You know, our churches, we just spent, uh, I'm here at Peter and Paul today, we just spent $1.5 million, that's a lot of money, in on the church in, in um, putting an elevator in and a gathering space and moving our rose window and, and um, allowing, uh, you know, putting a bathroom or all these things that people could look at us and have looked at us and said, why are you spending that, that money? It could have been given to the poor, which the truth is, yes, it could have. Um, but we too are called when we do something in our church buildings to do it at a level that honors God, to do it beautifully because it is not an end in itself, but because in seeing that rose window, in inviting people to come here and use our elevator or whatever it is and not have to go to use stairs uh, for a bathroom or, or whatever that is, if it eases their ability to pray and connect with God, that is the point. And that these buildings are called to be beautiful in their essence because they point us to something larger. Now, here's the problem, and you can see where I'm going, is those people who think that the temple or that our church buildings are the end in themselves, we become the Pharisees because we protect something that is small. But when our buildings point us as connection to God and, and in that connection of God, then we allow ourselves to be filled. We have fulfilled the law because we have connected to the source of the one who is mercy, the one who is larger than our temples or churches, including our temples, which is ourselves, by the way. There is something larger here. That that is what the law only the law is not an end in itself. The law points us to to beyond. Brothers and sisters, whatever law it is, uh, that we can only go 15 through a school zone, um, points us to something deeper, the depth of how important children are to our society and how much we value them. Our law always points us to what it is we value and what it is we carry with us. You know, brothers and sisters, I'll say this and then I'll be quiet because it's, it's, I, I think it's kind of important to what's being said today. Um, we've 
perhaps heard the saying, I'm spiritual but not religious. I'm spiritual but not religious. My gosh, it's been a buzzword for the last 20, 30 years. If you have not heard it, oh my gosh, Google it. You'll probably get a thousand things that come up. Maybe you've even used it. I'm spiritual but not religious. Why would anyone, and I can't say this, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab. Why would somebody say that? I'm spiritual but not religious. There's probably dozens and dozens of reasons. But I think one of them, maybe the prevailing one, is because people see religion as dry, as merely a series of rules to obey, um, and something that doesn't get to relationship. Brothers and sisters, the heart of our religion is not law. It is a person. It is Jesus Christ. Um, and it must be relationship. I, and, and so in saying that, if what they're saying is, I don't want to be, be a part of an external, false, dry, simply jump through the hoop experience I want it to be filled with spirit. I cannot fault that, that statement. But, my friends, here's where that statement falls apart. Any faith community must be both if it is going to be anything. Because if all I am is spiritual and I don't have my feet on the ground in the reality of loving people here and now in what and who they are, I am just as bad as the one who goes to church and jumps through hoop and thinks God likes me more because I went to church today uh, or I kept this commandment, even though it didn't touch my heart in the least, uh, but I kept it and think, okay, that's one more check mark to the good. God's got to, you know, let me in at the end of my life. Both, both are fooling themselves. Both. There's a quote. I, I, I saw it this morning. Uh, I'd never seen it before. Um, it is, um, it's by a gentleman named Charles Pegay, P-E-G-U-Y, don't know who that is, but he says, everything begins in mysticism and ends in politics. Oh, that's so beautiful. Everything begins in mysticism and ends in politics. Everything begins with relationship, brothers and sisters. If it doesn't, we need to, and, and I say this to me. If it does not begin in relationship to our God, uh, then what is it that I'm doing and why am I acting as I'm acting? It must begin in relationship, brothers and sisters, if it stays there, if it stays in just the spiritual and it doesn't end in politics, meaning not in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, meaning in the real. It must end in politics, in 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 the earth, on the earth, among the communities of people, among people in need, it must begin with my relationship with God and end with those in need. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. It has to start letting us know or being in communion with the heart who is God and then finding itself in the public square. In, in serving those in need, in reality. Brothers and sisters, our faith communities better be both spiritual and religious because if they are not, 
They are both in dire, dire need. Let's pray. Uh, if there is someone or something to which you would like to, uh, or for which you would like to pray today, I invite you to call it to mind at this time. And let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus in the temple. <laughs> How appropriate. Not the finding of the temple in the temple. The finding of Jesus in the temple, of course. We look through the temple and find him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, have a wonderful weekend. Um, may, uh, may you feel the presence of God within and around you, and may you share that presence in reality with those in your life. God bless you. We'll see you again on Monday.